you for watching today. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, scan the QR code right here on your screen. You can also find them on our app. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. We're starting a new series called Victorious Life. In order to live a victorious life, we're to become a living sacrifice. Because we're living, we have to be willing to sacrifice ourselves daily with spiritual worship, getting into the Word, and more. Today, Pastor will explain what being a living sacrifice means. So we're talking about temptations, tests, trials, and deserts. And uh, we haven't even got to the deserts part yet. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what's still coming. But I want to bring us back to two verses of Scripture in Romans chapter 12. Now again, these two verses are the key to victorious Christian life in the New Testament. They are the key. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I want to start with the first verse. I've got the uh, Amplified Classic right here. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. This is something that a lot, this really is like the first thing every born again Christian needs to do. We need to make a decisive dedication of our bodies to God. Now, notice what it says here. Presenting all your members and faculties, and we can add desires. So you're going to present your body to God, and you're going to say, God, I'm, I am dedicating this body to you, to serve you, to be used in your kingdom for your purposes all our members, all our faculties. It says, as a living sacrifice. Now, I mentioned this before. I'm going to say it again because so many Christians do not understand this, and, and uh, we'll get into it more and more. But when you become a Christian, your spirit becomes a Christian, right? And your mind is still a mess, and we'll talk about that in a moment because that's the next verse. Right? you got to do something with your mind. So God does something with your spirit. You have to do something with your mind and your body, you need to do something with it. And you need to present it to God as a living sacrifice. Now, Romans 7, verse 23, says the law of sin abides in your members or in your body. So your body is not a Christian body. Your body is a heathen body. You say, I'm a Christian. Your spirit's a Christian. But your body is a heathen. And your body is crazy. And your body wants to do crazy stuff. So what you need to do then is you need to present your body to God. And it says a living sacrifice. So normally when they're going to sacrifice an animal, they kill the animal and they put it on the altar. But God says, no, we're going to put you on the altar and you're still going to be alive. And so when the fire comes, when the test, the trials, the temptation comes, your body's going to go, ah, I don't want to be here. Hey, I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to go in that direction. Am I the only one with that kind of body? No, 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 no. Okay, so, so what does the Bible say? It says you need to present it to God a living sacrifice. In other words, your body will scream. Your body will say no. Your body will say this is what I want to do. 
It's whole, a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, while pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Worship is not just lifting your hands. Worship is not just singing or kneeling. Worship, the Bible says, is saying no to your body. Worship is presenting your body to God and saying, God, I give you my body. Every part of my body I give to you, and I'm going to use my body for your purposes, for your kingdom. That's worship. Now, there is no victorious Christian life without doing that. I'm going to let that sink in. There is no victorious Christian life without doing that. That's the first thing we need to do is present our bodies to God. A decisive dedication. So you do it once, but listen, you do it again. And you do it again. And you do it again. I did it this morning. I did it yesterday morning. I did it the day before. Every day. Normally before I'm out of bed. I say, God, I dedicate my body to you today. To serve you today. To be a messenger of your kingdom. You realize that you are his hands and his feet. You are the way that God brings the kingdom to the world today. And then, uh, verse 2. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. The, the King James says, let there be a transformation by the renewing of your mind. And the renewing of your mind means to change the way you think. We live, it, it, every time we're involved in something that is ungodly, that is not a part of the kingdom of God. It's because we're thinking wrong. When you believe wrong, you act wrong. When you believe right, you act right. So the Bible says the way that we change and we aren't like the world is by changing the way that we change the way we think. So we need to do those two things. Now, by the way, that changing the way you think is called the renewing of your mind. It's called in uh, James chapter one, it's called the salvation of your soul. Your soul is your mind. In one word, it's just your mind, your soul. So we need to change the way that we think. And of course, the Bible is given to us to change the way that we think. Different translation says, don't change ourselves to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then other translations go on and say that you may know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know, when we change the way we think, we know what the will of God is. You will know the will of God. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me through the years and said, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But when we renew our minds, we know what we're supposed to do. We know what the will of God is. Now, Romans 13, that was kind of like a quick review for those of you who weren't here. And for those of us that need to hear it again, and again, and again, as, as uh, Peter wrote, and he said, you know, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. How I many know faith doesn't come by having heard, it comes by hearing. We need to hear spiritual truth again and again and again. Um, the, the Word of God and, and spiritual nourishment is a lot like physical nourishment in, in this way. Just because you had it once doesn't mean you'll never want to have it again. 
How many of you have ever had a prime rib? How many of you would like one again? See? Now, the same thing is true with the Word of God. It was good the first time, but it's good the second time, and it's good the third time, and it's good the fourth time, and the fifth time. It's something that we need again and again and again. Paul said, I'll stir you up by way of reminder. All right, Romans 13, verse 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. It's talking again about victory over temptation. And it says, don't set yourself up. Don't make provision for the flesh. How, what does that mean? Well, I would say it like this. If, if you've got a problem with alcohol, don't keep a fifth hidden someplace in the basement in case you want a drink. Because you're making provision for the flesh. You'll say when, when the flesh wants it, it's going to be there. Right? The Bible says don't do that. Don't make a provision for the flesh. So, so you, you, you know the area where you're tempted. Don't make provision for it. If, if, if your, your device is, is a temptation, don't make provision for it. Get covenant eyes on there. Get some sort of something that's going to help you. Don't give the devil a chance. Don't give the flesh an opportunity. Right? Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Now, when Jesus came, his message was simple. His simple message was this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's now. It's available. But notice what he said. First of all, he said, repent. Other translations say, repent and believe the good news. So there's repenting and there's believing. So there's turning away because repenting means to turn away. But then there is not just going away from, there's moving towards something. In uh, Hebrews chapter six, it talks about the basic fundamental doctrines of Christ. He says, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. And here's number one, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. So we're turning away repentance, but we're not just turning away from something, we're turning towards something. Away from dead works, but towards God, towards faith in God. The, the first sermon that's ever preached when the church is born is on the day of Pentecost. It's found in Acts chapter 2. And as Peter finishes his preaching, they that heard him, they were cut to the heart, the Bible says. And they said to Peter and the rest of the, the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. Number one is repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so really, you're turning away from one thing, but you're moving towards God. You're moving away from and moving towards something. Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for their mission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to take a minute here and, and talk about repentance particularly for the believer. But let me just say something about someone who's coming to Christ. Right. 
Romans 10, verse 9, says this, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, when someone who is not a believer comes to Christ, their confession is they confess Jesus as the Lord of their life. Now, as a believer, our confession is different. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as a believer, we come, if we, we, we sin and we confess that sin, and literally it means to say the same thing as. So we go to God and we say, God, I recognize that this is wrong and I turn from this. We're agreeing with God, right? We're agreeing it's wrong, it's not right, it's not part of the kingdom, it's not kingdom behavior, and we turn from that, and God cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, I remember 48 years ago as a non-believer. I went to a church service. Afterwards, Bruce Roberts came up, talked to me about the gospel, shared Romans with me. Now, when I was an unbeliever coming to Christ, I did not confess all my sins. You say, why not? Number one, I couldn't remember half of them. <laughs> if I had to confess all my sins to get saved, I would have never got saved, and neither would you. Because when you're an unbeliever, it's not the confession of your sin, but it's your confession as Jesus, as the Lord of your life that saves you. But once we're in fellowship with God, right, now we're a believer in Christ and we miss it because sin literally means to miss the mark. It's like an archer shooting at the target and misses it. Sin is missing the mark. When we miss the mark, we go to God and we confess, God, I missed the mark. I agree with you. Now, God, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, repentance is not something you do one time in your life when you come to Jesus. Repentance is an attitude. Repentance is something we do every time we miss it. Every time we miss it, we're supposed to go to God. We are supposed to run to God, not from God. Now, what the devil does is he brings condemnation. He tells you, you did that, you're no good. Man, yeah, you are the sorriest Christian I've ever seen. Why, God is not going to bless you. God is not going to use you. God is not going to listen to your prayers. God's not going to put his favor on you. God is not going to answer a single prayer of yours for three months. You know what that is? That's the devil. That is condemnation. It is a counterfeit of what the Holy Spirit does, and that's conviction. The Holy Spirit says, God loves you. Turn to God. Go to God. He has mercy for you. He has blessing for you. He's got deliverance for you. See, what the devil does is condemnation. What the Holy Spirit does is conviction. And he says, God loves you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. And come back to God. Um, so often, and particularly when something drastic happens, people run from God instead of running to God. Um, in the Bible, we have, we have Job. Now, Job does not know what's going on, but he loses 
his wealth. He loses his children. He loses his health. And he literally, he thinks God is doing all this stuff. Now, you can read, and it's not God. It's the devil. In fact, the Bible says the devil went out and smote Job with sore boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. It was the devil, not God. But he's mad at God, and he's blaming God. I've got a couple of verses here. He says, I am pure and without transgression. I am innocent, and there is no iniquity in me. For Job has said, I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. How many of you know you got problems when you think you are more righteous than God? Okay. So then what finally what Job does is he turns to God and he says, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And it's just a couple verses later where it says, and God turns the captivity of Job. But as long as Job was mad at God and blaming God, the goodness of God didn't flow to him. Now, just, just so you, you, you realize this, Bible scholars don't agree exactly on how long Job's situation lasted. But it is, no, it is between three and nine months. Three and nine months. Job did not stay in that condition forever. And, and somebody says, well, I'm Job. Well, get delivered, get healed, get prospered. Because that's what Job did. Um, in, I don't even know the day. I think it's 1974. Uh, I went to Christ for the Nations down in Dallas, Texas. And uh, my, my roommate was Doug Bergsma. And uh, we, we, we literally, we, we drive down. He's in a, he's in a car with, uh, with Beth, and, and I'm on my motorcycle. You see, when I met Jeannie, I didn't even have a car. I just had a motorcycle. And uh, I still have scars, right, you know, where she <laughs> grabbed me. She, she'd never been on. She was terrified, and I loved it. You know. But, but anyhow, so so we we literally we are we are taking we are taking Beth's stuff out of the car and putting it in her apartment, and and across the courtyard, Doug sees this this tall brunette. And he says, Psst. He says Psst, "Look at her! Look at oh wow!" He says, "Wow." Who is that? Well, come to find out, it's the assistant dean of women. Her name is Barb. And man, we get back to our, we get to our room and we're unpacking. He's like, oh, did you see that Barb? Oh my gosh. He said, I got to meet Barb. I got to meet Barb. You know? So within, within 10 days, he's met Barb and he is head over heels. You know, we're here to study the Bible. Need something, do you know Barb, 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 and I, Barb, 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 this, Barb, that, Barb, 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 Barb. And, 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 I, and I said, well, I'm going to study. He said, well, Barb and I, we're going to McDonald's, we're going to study. You know? and, and I said, Barb, 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 Barb. And I said, well, I'm going to go pray. He said, well, Barb and I, we're going to go pray. You know, Barb, Barb. <laughs> I'm like, Doug, we are here to study the Bible. And he's like, yeah, well, Barb and I, we'd like to study the Bible. <laughs> You know? So he is, he is like over the top crazy, okay? So we're in this little dinky, I mean, this is a little dinky room with two little single beds and a, a, a little table, maybe as big as this little podium right here, two little chairs, you know, and a, and a little bathroom off to the side. So it's the middle of the night. And I didn't know it, but Doug sleepwalks, okay? So, so Doug wakes up. 
And uh, he thinks I'm Barb. <laughs> it's true. And ask him, it's the truth. Now, now I, he gets up and, and if you, you, you know, I knew there was movement, but I was trying to sleep. So I didn't, you know, pay much attention. I'm trying to ignore the movement. So he's standing at the foot of the bed. He says, there's Barb. Well, it wouldn't be right to do anything, but I could give her a kiss. So he gets right next to my bed, gets down on his knees, and he whispers in my ear. And he says, Barb, I love you. And he lays one on my lips. Oh, yes. Yes, he did. I hit him. I hit him. I hit him so hard, I knocked him across his bed into the wall. I ran to the bathroom and I got the soap. You know. And he says, he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I thought you were Barb. And he explains the story and we laughed. And, you know. Well, a month later, they're engaged. And after the first semester, he's gone. He and Barb get married and move to Michigan. You know. And uh, he's worship uh, worship leader at a church and everything's going great. And he and Barb have got five kids and Barb and one of the, the, one of the daughters are on their way to the veterinarian. Somebody runs a stop sign, <laughs> hits them sideways, and they're both instantly killed. And uh, I, I remember when somebody called, and I literally did not have, I couldn't say anything. I, and and uh, I got in the car, went over to Doug's house, and I literally did not know what to say. Didn't know what to say. Uh, we, I, I embraced him. Uh, we hugged, we prayed, and we worshiped. Now, I, I'm saying all that, that to say something to you. Okay? Uh, when something like that happens, number one, uh, you don't understand. And there's going to be things you don't understand. Um, it, it, says in, it says in Philippians that God's peace passes surpasses all understanding. You know, sometimes you have to give up the right to understand. If you're going to have the peace that passes understanding, you have to give up the right to understand. Right. Uh, didn't know what, I, I, I didn't know why. I don't, to this day, I haven't got a clue. But this is what I saw happen. I saw Doug draw closer to God than he had ever been before. You know, some people run away from God. Right, when something happens and you don't understand. But Doug ran to God. Right? Now, today it's 25 years later, Merle? 25 years later? Uh, almost 20 years ago now, we, we sent Doug up to Rockford. You know, pastors of Resurrection Life Church in Rockford. Uh, probably have 3,000 people there. Um, and uh, because he ran to God, the blessing of God has been on his life. Right? Now, he could have said, God, why did this happen? I demand to know this. I demand that. God, I'm mad at you. But I'm going to tell you something. It's the devil who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It is the devil who comes to kill, and steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And when stuff happens that you don't understand, and there will be, do not throw away what you know to be true because of what you don't understand. Right? 
in, rep in repentance, <clears throat> we run to God. Now, 2 Timothy 2 in verse 24, it says, and the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach in patience, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, that they come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil who has taken them captive, who have been, excuse me, been taken captive by him to do his will. Now, I want to point out a couple of things here. Now, notice it talks about being corrected so that you're granted repentance. There's a couple of things about repentance. Repentance doesn't just fall on you. It is sought. And for repentance to come, there has to be a change in thinking. Correct those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance. He's talking about teaching. So I, it's one of the reasons why it is so important to constantly be in places where God is worshipped and where the Word of God is taught. Now, spiritually, the fuller you get, the more you want. And the emptier you are, the less you want. So if you haven't been fed spiritually lately, you have less hunger for the things of God. But for repentance to come, you've got to be in a place where God's worshiped, where there's teaching, where there's correction of our wrong thinking. Now, notice it says, having been taken captive by him, the devil, to do his will. See, where the devil wants us is in the spot where our will becomes passive, where you no longer resist temptation, where you just accept it as something that, that is on you that you cannot overcome. But when repentance comes, there's a change of thinking and there is a change of direction. And, and I want to just take a, a couple more minutes to kind of bring this home. Now, in Psalms 51, David, King David, is repenting. He has committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now, there are two things in the Old Testament that there is no forgiveness for. There's no sacrifice for. Two things, murder and adultery. The only two things. There's no sacrifice for it. But yet, we find here that David receives forgiveness for both. Now, I've had people say, that's Old Testament, doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with us. And, and even some of my friends, I, I would disagree. I would say that this kind of transcends the Old Testament. Definitely parts of this transcend the Old Testament, because there's forgiveness here for things you cannot get in the, forgiveness for in the Old Testament. But he says, I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. When we sin, we don't just sin against somebody. We sin against God. Then in verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a steadfast spirit. You see, it is the steadfast spirit that has the strength to say no. See, when a person, well, it back, back again in Timothy, it says that they're taken captive by Satan to do his will. 
And when you're doing his will, it's because your will has become passive. You, you, you literally, you, you, there, there's something that at one time you did and, and it was difficult and you resisted it, but you gave in and the next time it was easier and easier and easier. And it comes to the point where there is nothing in you that resists it anymore. You have become passive. And the Bible says at that point, he says, you have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. So what David said here is extremely important. He said, renew a steadfast, a strong spirit within me. Renew in me that ability to say no when temptation comes. I believe there's two keys to repentance. One is prayer. Praying that God will renew in us a steadfast spirit, a spirit that resists sin when it comes. And another is hearing the word of God. Because that's how we're going to be corrected. The Bible says you correct those who are in opposition, right? That God may grant them repentance. You know, when when somebody is involved in something and there is no word of God, no teaching that's going into them, right? They're they're not going to repent. In Hebrews 3, verses 7 and 8. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. So in other words, when God's dealing with us, we need to submit to the Spirit of God. We need to repent. We need to run to God because when we don't, we can harden our hearts. And a hard heart simply does not respond to the Spirit of God. See, God will not make you do something and he will not make somebody else do something. In in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, The apostle Paul said, you do not know, O wife, whether you will win your husband. And you do not know, O husband, whether you will win your wife. Now, it's talking to a believer married to an unbeliever. And it says, you don't know if you can win them. Now, if there was something you could do that God would make them get saved, Paul would have said, just do this, and you're sure to win them to God. But he says, you don't know. Because you pray and the Spirit of God moves on somebody, but how many of you know they can say no? They can, they, they can resist the Spirit of God. And what happens when we resist the Spirit of God, the Bible says it hardens our heart. We get to the point where, where we're just like, no, no. The Bible says, least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So sin is deceitful. This is what the, the what this deceitfulness of sin says this. I can sin and it will not affect me. The Bible says it will harden your heart. It will make it harder for you to hear God. It will, literally, it says, having their consciences seared with a hot iron. In other words, your conscience can become so seared that the Spirit of God is speaking to you and touching you, but you don't even hear it. You don't even feel it. Right? When you sin, it hardens your heart. You accept sin as being normal and being all right, and it hardens your heart. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12. It's talking about Esau. It says, least there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of bread sold his birthright. 
For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. He found no place for repentance. Why? Because he's hardened his heart. Now listen, here's what some people think. They think, well, I'm going to sin and I'll repent afterwards. Probably not. Because to repent, you have to get to the place where if you're in the same place, you wouldn't do the same thing. And your heart is hard. That's why the, the, the deceitfulness of sin says you can do this, it won't affect you. But the Bible says it will harden your heart. That's why it's so necessary to run to God and not from God. Romans 1 says this, that we suppress the truth with unrighteousness. Literally, other translations say it like this, you choke the truth with evil. You give yourself to sin and you choke truth with evil. It says they become futile in their thoughts. Other translations say their thoughts become complete nonsense. Let me just say, I look at the news quite regularly and I just think some of this stuff is complete nonsense. This cancel culture, this wokeness, save a whale and kill a baby. Uh, That's complete nonsense, all right? But that's what happens. You become futile in your thoughts when you become hardened in your heart. And it says their foolish hearts are hardened. Don't, Don't believe the lie. Sin will not affect you. If you do not run to God and turn to God and repent and turn from it, it does have an effect on you. It does affect you. See, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for darkness. Remember, the Bible says that sin doesn't release people that give themselves to it. And when somebody's in in bondage, it, it takes the power of God, the word of God and the power of God to bring freedom. Repentance is an interchange of mind resulting in an outward turning back. See, some people cry and cry and cry and never repent. And other people don't shed a tear, but they repent. Now, repentance can have crying. It can be very emotional. But the truth is, it's an interchange in your mind, in the way you think, that results in an outward turning back or turning around, to face and move in a completely new and different direction. Okay, I want to ask you something. Have you received Jesus or do you just know about him? Because so often we know about God. We know about Jesus, but that knowledge has not changed their life. So the Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. It's not enough to just know about him. We need to receive him as our Lord, as our Savior. And if you're saying, I need to get right with God today, I'm away from God, I've never received him, I know about him, would you bow your head and pray this prayer with me? And we're going to do what the Bible says, and we're going to receive Jesus. Just make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe that he rose again. And today, I give him all of my heart and all of my life. And I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart and you received him, God heard that prayer and you are forgiven and right with God, you're on your way to heaven. But you need to keep growing spiritually. And I wrote a small book that I want to send you. It is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. Now, you can download it absolutely free. And the information is right there on your screen. And if you need a hard copy, you let us know. We will send you a hard copy free of charge. And we'll thank you for being with us. We love you. We pray for you daily. God bless. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We love to connect with you. Scan the QR code on your screen with your smartphone. From there, you can follow us on your favorite platform. Download our app, become a partner with us, and much more. I pray you have an amazing week. We'll see you again next time.